miracle. Hi everyone, welcome to episode 58 of The Music Room. In today's episode, I'm going to talk about steady beat versus rhythm. So I actually received a question about how I teach steady beat and rhythm from my page on my website. If you go to mrsmiraclesmusicroom.com slash askaileen, all one word, askaileen, A-I-L-E-E-N, uh, then you can record your own question and you may be featured on the podcast. So this question is from Patty Schwickerath. Thank you, Patty, for posting this question. Here it is. I'm curious what your process or sequence for introducing the distinction between steady beat and rhythm um, would be. I currently teach that concept in first grade. And while most students um, enjoy the activities that we do, I find that there's usually some residual confusion about the difference. And of course, that is complicated by um, many adult influencers in their lives uh, making the mistake of calling rhythm beats. So for example, they'll hear a song and be like, ooh, I really like the beat or the beats in that song. And they mean the rhythm. Um, So I I feel like I spend a lot of time talking about it um, and experiencing it. But anyway, any tips that you have for distinguishing beat and rhythm would be awesome. Thanks. Thank you so much for the question, Patty. This is a difficult distinction to make because like you said, so many adults use the words beat and rhythm interchangeably. And I also think it's just kind of an abstract concept. I'm homeschooling my second grade daughter right now. So I'm teaching her music and uh, I was having her just do a review of beat and rhythm just to make sure that that was solid. And I was having her play a game. And it's a really great game. It's by Linda McPherson, a friend of mine who has a store on Teachers Pay Teachers. Uh, I can link to the game. It's super fun. It's like the students listen to whether it's the beat or the rhythm. And then this little raccoon dances if they're right. So cute. But as I was listening, I was like, oh, this is a little bit abstract. I never really thought about it being abstract because, you know, it's just so ingrained in us as musicians. But I think if you're singing and keeping the beat or keeping the rhythm, it's not as abstract. But if you're having them listen to an instrumental piece of music where there aren't words, then I think it is just kind of abstract because, you know, when I teach rhythm, I often say the way the words go. Well, if you're listening to an instrumental piece, there aren't any words. So having them distinguish between the pulse in the music, the steady beat, or the rhythm being the way the words go, or sounds, a pattern of sounds over beats, um, it can be tricky. But I do have some strategies that have worked for me in my classroom. So I start teaching study beat in kindergarten, and I really focus on this in kindergarten and just focus on beat. I don't even touch upon rhythm at first. So as far as how I teach it in kindergarten, we prepare it by having them keep the beat in several different ways. Because of my Kodai training, I actually don't even use the word beat at first. I'll just say, follow me, do what I do, and they keep the beat with me. You could also use 
a term like the pulse or the feel of the music. I've done that before. And the reason we don't use the word beat right away is just to make sure that they really have that solidified before we give it a name so that they're not keeping the beat incorrectly and calling it the beat when it's really not the beat, it's the rhythm. So I have them keep the beat in several different ways to many different songs and chants that they know. You know, a lot of times first we start on our lap, so we might go B, B, Bumblebee, stung a man upon his knee, stung a pig upon its snout, I declare that you are out and just have them keep the beat on their lap and then oh let's try it on her head now let's try it on her shoulders and try it in many different ways and of course allowing for student input by having them choose different ways to keep the beat that's been really helpful and I also have a, an activity that I've tried in person and uh, during virtual learning that has been successful called follow me where I just put on a piece of music and they just follow my beat motions it's super fun the kids love it and it's also a great way to have them listen to several different types of music or several different pieces of music so one that I really love for this is Root Beer Rag by Billy Joel. Billy Joel is one of my absolute favorite musicians. And in this piece of music, he's actually not singing. He's just playing the piano. It's really fun. And it's got a great steady beat in it. Uh, John Feyerabend has a wonderful collection of different pieces of music that are all great for keeping the beat. And I can link to that in the show notes as well. Uh, and if you're looking for the show notes, you can go to my my website at mrsmiraclesmusicroom.com and then click podcast and then find this episode, which is episode 58. So like I said, John Feyerabend has a great collection called Keeping the Beat and a few others that I've tried. Hair Up by Justin Timberlake is from the movie Trolls and it is so much fun. It uses In the Hall of the Mountain King in it. And the kids love it because they've heard it in Trolls and it's just a really fun piece of music. So, and really anything could work. I've brought in some jazz pieces. I really try to mix it up and make sure that I'm not just doing, you know, Western classical pieces of music, but that I'm giving them a wide variety of music to listen to. And it's great because you could do it in one lesson with Root Beer Rag and another lesson you could do it with Hair Up. You bring it back for a third lesson. You just keep bringing it back and it seems like a different activity, but it's really like the same activity with a different piece of music. So I'll just, I usually do eight beats on one motion. So maybe I tap my shoulders for eight beats and they're just following me. Then I go to my head for eight beats. Then I clap for eight beats. Then I do um, like a hammer on my fist with eight beats. I just, you know, a jump, jump up and down for eight beats. It can keep going like that. If you're teaching this or doing this activity during a synchronous lesson or a live music lesson, then it still works. There's a little bit of a delay. You know, there might be like a half second delay with when you're doing the motion and when students are, you know, seeing you do the motion, but it still works. And after students are comfortable keeping the beat, then, you know, maybe in the third or fourth time you do this with them, then you can invite them to lead the beat. So especially if you're in person, you could just like point to a kid or call on a student and ask them to be the leader and then have them do beat motions and then all the other students follow them. And it's a great opportunity to talk about what is a beat motion and what's not a beat motion. And I'll model, you know, silly ways that aren't really keeping the beat, you know, like just spinning in a circle really fast. It's not keeping the beat. So it's a great way to discuss that. So the students can have some creativity and ownership as well. And I also have students track the beat. So before they learn the, the term beat or study beat, 
like for BB Bumblebee, for example, I might have four rows of four Bs and the students are tracking from left to right. Um, you know, B, B, Bumblebee would be the first row, and then they go to the second row, left to right, stung a man upon his knee, and so on. And I have this on a big poster, so all the students can see one child pointing to the bead. I model it first, and then a, stu a few students will come up and try. Uh, but you could also have individual tracking sheets, where just on a piece of paper of eight and a half by 11, the students get a chance to track on their own. And that's a great way to build those literacy skills as well. So we really do a lot in kindergarten of just keeping the beat, keeping the beat in different ways, having them figure out different ways to keep the beat, tracking the steady beat, uh, playing the follow me game. All of those things are really helpful in getting a good understanding of steady beat. Also having them close their eyes while they're keeping the beat, that can be tricky because I think sometimes it looks like everybody has it, but they're just watching you and they're doing what you do. So if you have them close their eyes to see, can they really internalize that steady beat? That's really helpful. So I do a lot of that in kindergarten. And then I usually present, now this year is a little crazy, of course, but I usually present study beat maybe around February or so. Uh, it kind of depends, but it's usually around that time. And then after I really feel like they're comfortable keeping the study beat, then we move on to the rhythm. And again, like I said earlier, I have them think of it as the way the words go. So I like to have them keep the rhythm or the way the words go in their hands, but instead of using their whole hand like B, B, Bumblebee, that can be kind of loud. I have them take two fingers in their hand and clap it like this, which is a lot softer. So we do a lot of work with clapping the way the words go. Um, you could also have them keep it in their hands like a puppet. So I'll show a puppet and uh, like I used uh, a dog puppet for doggy doggy where's your bone and I showed the rhythm in, in there in my hands and asked them to figure out was I keeping the beat or the rhythm I've done that with we are dancing with a wolf puppet too was I showing you the beat or the rhythm and I think it's a good connection to like well he was moving his mouth with the words so it's the way the words go so it's the rhythm and then you can have that them keep the rhythm in their hands or the way the words go in their hands like a puppet so they can hold their hand up like a puppet and have them move their hands to the rhythm or the way the words go. Also having them track it, again, having it on a poster where they're tracking the rhythm. So like, again, for BB Bumblebee, instead of, for the first line, instead of seeing four big Bs, it would be big B, big B, then the little, two little Bs on the third B, and then another big B. So it's kind of like showing Taz and TTs, but we're not there yet. So having them point to two small icons for two sounds on a beat or two syllables on a beat and one big icon for one syllable on a beat. So again, modeling that for them, tracking it, and then having them track it and then having them track it on their own individual sheets. And while I'm doing rhythm, um, I am sometimes referring a little bit to the beat, but I like to really focus on just the rhythm. And if a student gets confused and calls it the beat, then we'll have that discussion. But I kind of like do them as their own separate things at first. First, we really focus on beat. Then we really focus on rhythm. And I might compare it a little bit to the beat, but I don't do too much until they're pretty solid with rhythm. And then 
near the end of kindergarten or sometimes I just really focus on it in first grade, then we're really comparing study beat versus rhythm. So when we do that, I find it really helpful, and this is something I learned in my Kodai training, to have them keep the beat and rhythm in two different places. So my go-to is usually beat on our laps and rhythm in our hands, like I talked about with two uh, fingers in your hand, like I really like to have those that distinction between two different places uh, because otherwise it gets a little bit confusing. If I have them put the rhythm on their laps and they're really used to keeping the beat there, then some of that confusion comes in. I've also had them put the beat in their feet and the rhythm in their hands. And I've even done in first grade, like, okay, let's move to, let's step to the beat and then we'll do that. And then let's stand still and keep the rhythm in our hands. And then I show them the beat in my feet and the rhythm in my hands at the same time and have them figure out what I'm doing. And I talk about how it's like patting your head and rubbing your stomach or vice versa, rubbing your head, patting your stomach. It's kind of like two, doing two different things at the same time. And it's really good for us as musicians to do that. So really feeling like, oh, these are different things. And it, again, it's another confusing part of beat versus rhythm is sometimes the beat and the rhythm do sound the same. Like if you have a song that starts with ta, 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 well, they are going to sound the same, but they are different. Um, so really trying to make that distinction. Uh, another good way to make that distinction is to have half the class keep the beat and the other half of the class keep the rhythm and then switch. Or you could have half the class play the beat on like the hand drum, for example, and the other half the class play the rhythm on like wood blocks or whatever, and then switch. Um, and then to model what it is not. So, you know, especially if I'm having them switch between the beat and the rhythm, like I have this beat rhythm sign that I've used where it's beat on the word beat on one side and the word rhythm on another, and I just flip back and forth, maybe, you know, at least two beats on one side before I flip to the other. So two to four beats usually before I flip to the other side. And so again, they're keeping the beat here. And then when they see the word rhythm, they switch to their hands. But before we do that, I'll say, now this can be kind of tricky. Is this the beat? And I'll be like, B, B, bumblebee, stana, mana, panace, is that the beat? And have kids say, oh, no, that's not the beat. That's the rhythm. Yes. Yeah, so just be careful. Don't get, you know, don't get tricked. Again, going over those definitions. Remember, the beat is a steady pulse. The rhythm is the way the words go. It does just take some time because, like I said, it's a little bit abstract. But to really do beat versus rhythm in several different ways is definitely helpful. So a few more activities that have worked well for me. Uh, just Recently, I found this YouTube channel called Ready Go Music. My friend Carla Chewinski and I presented a workshop about data tracking to our local Kodai chapter, Trike, and uh, she presented one of their videos in her in our in our session, and I was super excited and I looked at all the videos that this YouTube channel has, which I can link to in the show notes. And uh, it's just really good stuff and it can be used synchronously, asynchronously, uh, in person, virtual, whatever. It's really versatile. But like in their videos, they have these really cute, you know, cartoony animation kind of things. And uh, I'll link to one that's, I'll link to the channel, but then I'll also link to a specific video. It's a snow day rhythm play along. 
So in this no day rhythm play along, they have boxes. So they have eight boxes, which you could tell the students or have them figure out the boxes are the beat. And then inside the boxes, they either have a hat for ta or quarter note and mittens for TT or eighth notes. So I think this could be a great distinction because you could say, okay, the boxes are the beat and then the rhythm is inside the box, either ta for hat or TT for mitten. And then they just like, there's like background music that plays. And then they'll just say like mitten, hat, hat, mitten, hat, hat, mitten, hat. And there are even some empty boxes, so it's also a good prep for quarter rest. And again, super fun, really versatile. And just that visual, I think, is helpful of having, you know, because a lot of times we'll have like the study beat above the rhythm and then like the rhythm icons below that or whatever or the taz and tt's below that but i i like the idea of having the rhythm inside the box so they can really see okay the beat is showing the box then the rhythm is what's inside the beat almost or inside the box um so yeah super cute play along with the poster or even the individual sheets that you have students track the beat to or track the rhythm on, you could have the beat on one side and the rhythm on the other. And this could be a great way to help distinguish like, okay, let's point to the beat for apple tree or for BB. I know you keep using BB as an example, but you know, let's point to the bees for BB bumblebee and it's showing the beat, which maybe at this point you've moved to heartbeats or you still have beat icons, whichever they're pointing to the beat. And then when they flip the paper over or they flip the poster board over, it's showing the rhythm. And just having that visual right after, you know, you're looking at the beat and then you flip right to the rhythm. I think that is also really helpful for students. I've also assessed students, um, like I've talked about before, I'm teaching virtually this year. So I actually did this as a Schoology assessment for those of you who have used Schoology, but this can also work in other platforms like Nearpod or Seesaw, where I have recordings of myself singing songs they know and just either playing the beat or the rhythm. I'll go ahead and use my Tubano as an example again. So that's actually what I used in the assessment. So again, for BB Bumblebee, I might go BB Bumblebee, song a man up his knee, slung a pig upon its snout, I declare that you are out. And they just have to choose whether I was playing the beat or the rhythm. Then they go on to the next question and maybe it's apple tree and I do this. and so on. You might even have a question on the assessment that is an unknown song, just to see if they can transfer their knowledge from known to unknown. So it's just a series of questions where they're listening to audio and then just choosing beat or rhythm. This could also work as a Google form, like there's so many platforms that that, that assessment could work with, but it really helps you gauge where students are with their understanding. And if they're still struggling, then you still do some more practice, very similar to what we've been doing before. It just, like I said, can take some time. I do like to make sure that they're pretty solid with their understanding of steady beat versus rhythm before moving on to ta and tt, because 
it's going to be hard for them to understand that there are two syllables on a beat or, you know, what rhythm is this over the beat if they're having a hard time distinguishing between the two. I think the best advice I have for beat and rhythm is simply to make sure that you are specific and clear because um, like Patty was talking about, if you are a little bit vague in your distinction between beat and rhythm, then they're going to uh, get confused too. I think it's pretty similar actually to two other musical uh, concepts that often get confused. High and low versus loud and quiet because a lot of times people will say like turn it higher when really they mean turn it louder or make the music louder but they say higher instead. And then speaking and singing I find so many adults will say like oh I love that song when really it's um, something that's spoken or like a rap or a poem. Or they'll say, let's sing, and then they have students start chanting. So um, it can just take some time for students to really get there because so many people around them are not using the correct terminology. Oh, here's one more that drives me crazy. Um, when people call a recorder a flute, because so many adults do it, right? So many adults will call a recorder a flute. It's not a flute, it's a recorder. Um, and yeah, my husband and I have had uh, he's he's gotten better. He now understands xylophone versus glockenspiel. Because <laughs> so many times people will call glockenspiel a xylophone. I'm like, that's not a xylophone. That's a glockenspiel. And he's like, yeah, you're like one of the only people that knows that. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I know. But <laughs> let's be specific. So yes, just make sure that you're being specific. All right. So I hope that was helpful for you in thinking about how to teach beat versus rhythm. Let's talk about what I'm consuming. So recently, I think I was on Facebook or something, and a friend of mine posted something about Regina Spector, and I was like, oh my gosh, I have not listened to her in ages. Like I used to, she was my, one of my favorite artists and I just hadn't listened to, I, I, I feel bad. I just kind of like forgot, you know, life happened and I just forgot. And, you know, moving away from CDs, like I'm not looking at all my CDs. It's like everything is digital. So you don't really get a chance unless you, you know, go to the basement and open up your box of CDs to look at all of the CDs that you once had. So I was like, oh, I loved her. I should listen to her. So lately in the morning while I'm getting ready, I've been putting her on, a, like I've just been asking Alexa to play Regina Spector. So she's just kind of like pulling from all of her albums. And it's just been good for my soul. Honestly, like I just feel like it helps me feel like a person again. I know that may sound silly, but especially with everything going on right now, you know, it's everything is so stressful and it's just nice to listen to music that brings back good memories or makes you think of a time in your life and um and I just I love her music it's kind of unique and different but I really love it so I suggest if you like anything with piano and vocals and just kind of calming but like quirky music, then you should check out Regina Spector. She has a great version of Dear Theodosia from Hamilton, and it's with Ben Folds 5. I was listening to it because I just you know asked Alexa to play music by Regina Spector, and I was listening to it, and I was like, oh, who's that 
male voice because there was like a really quiet male voice at first and then it got a little bit louder he does not have very much on the song that he's singing with her but he sang a little bit by himself and I was like oh my gosh I think that's Ben Fold so it's a really cool rendition of Dear Theodosia which I just of course I love Hamilton too so um, I really dug that but yeah you know even if it's whatever you used to love and you no longer listen to, I suggest you put that on. In my last episode, I talked about self-care and about listening to music. So I really do feel like this is, especially for us as musicians, but really for anybody, it's a form of self-care to just listen to music that makes your heart happy. So I hope that you do that. Thank you so much for listening today. I hope it was helpful for you. Um, I'm going to take a little bit of a break because we do have the holidays coming up and I am putting together Uh, more episodes for you. I'm really excited about. So I hope you have a great holiday season and uh, I hope you relax a little bit and have a great day.